As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined as always by Paul Tenorio. It is Thursday evening, October 1st, and earlier today, the whole soccer world was buzzing about the Champions League draw and a particular matchup that we got out of the group stage. Am I talking about Messi versus Ronaldo, Barcelona versus Juventus? No, I am not, friend. I am talking about Serginho Dest against Weston McKinney. That's it's the one that the world has been waiting for, Paul. Yeah, I mean when when those two names came together in the draw, I think, you know, I think both Dest and McKinney were trending on Twitter worldwide as people speculated could this be, you know, the last time that these two Americans face each other in Champions League? <laughs> <laughs> the first and the last, perhaps. Um, no, but on a serious note, Messi Ronaldo, of course, dominated the the kind of chatter this afternoon when the Champions League draw was held. But we're not a Champions League show. We don't talk about global soccer necessarily. We talk about American soccer and North American soccer, I should say. And this Champions League has the potential to be a, a historic Champions League for North American soccer. There are, I believe, um, unless I forgot how to count, which it's late, so that might be true. I think up to 11, I want to say, Americans that could be involved. So for Bayern Munich, you have you have Chris Richards uh, at Red Bull Salzburg. You have Jesse Marsh, the coach of the team. Uh, Brendan Aronson set to join. Now, they could be out by the time he arrives. So, you know, maybe, maybe he won't get in the mix. Man City, Zach Steffen, Chelsea, Christian Pulisic, of course, Borussia Dortmund, Gio Reyna, Club Bruges over in Belgium, goalkeeper Ethan Horvath, remember him. The aforementioned McKenney and Dest with Juve and Barca. Also, Conrad de la Fuente with Barca, although I don't know if we'll see him get any first team action. I guess we'll see. And then Tyler Adams with Red Bull Leipzig. And then, of course, the Canadian, the Canadian wonder kid, Alfonso Davies over at Bayern, who will most certainly be getting some, some run. Well, let's not forget about former MLS. Standout, an MLS product, you know, I think we should say, Angelino, 
uh, at, at Red Bull Leipzig. You know? Isn't it Angelino? Angelino. Isn't that Nene? Yeah, there, there is an Nene. Far be it for me to, to correct you on Spanish pronunciation, but, um, but I just did. Oh, okay. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you for one-upping me. All is right in the world again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have some serious potential, potentially record-breaking potential. Um, according to Paul Carr, formerly of ESPN, some of you might might know him from his work I think with with the men and Blazers back in 2014 at the World Cup and into subsequent tournaments as well. He's a good follow on Twitter for any fan. Uh, check him out. Uh, he says the previous single season Champions League record is six players, um, six American players. And that was back in 2004-2005. Demarcus Beasley, Landon Donovan, Jonathan Spector, Tim Howard. Robbie Russell, who some of you probably have never heard of, um, but a guy who had a nice career in MLS and abroad. And Jermaine Jones, who at that point was not yet playing for the U.S. national team, but obviously American. Um, so this year we could see at least six. We could see five. Uh, that might be the most realistic, I think, Paul. But either way, it, it's kind of a – and it's it's an interesting time in American soccer to have this many players at the, at the first team level at so many big clubs. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point. We could see seven, depending on how Bayern and Manchester City fare in their first few group stage matches and what's going on in the group. I mean, Chris Richards um, has certainly been given opportunities to come into games late that are decided to come into games where, look, they trust him and they like him and he's going to get chances. And so if they have an opportunity in a Champions League game to throw him in there, I, I think they will. You know, Zach sure. Steffen could Especially get a game. if they've already clinched. If they've clinched, that's a great opportunity to give Zach Steffen a game. Um, you know, Conrad de la Fuente, I think, is still up in the air what his role is going to be with the first team at Barcelona. He's been involved um, to this point. I believe he just was named to a roster for their next La Liga game. So, you know, I saw somebody immediately dismiss the idea of de la Fuente playing for Barcelona this year. I'm not ready to do that yet, but... You know, Champions League is a whole nother beast. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's exciting, not just the number of Americans that are playing at these clubs, but let's talk about the age of these players. I mean, Chris Richards is 20 years old. Uh, Christian Pulisic is th- 22. Gio Reyna, 17. The elder statesman. Weston McKenney's 21. Serginho Dest is 19, I believe. Uh, I think so. Didn't Conrad you just write is sub twenty. I feel like you should know. That. I did. I did just write about it. Tyler Adams <laughs> is twenty one. So all of these guys are young. I mean, Zach Steffen is twenty five, which in goalkeeper years is basically twenty one. You know, like he's still on the What's early the side. Well, I think goalkeepers like I feel like a a goalkeeper in their prime is like thirty one, right? And okay. like a field player in their prime is like twenty seven. So it's like a four-year difference. That's right, the math. There you go. Science. Just, just, <laughs> just another bit of education that you get here at Allocation Disorder. The point yeah, it's is the foremost soccer science podcast in the world. Hundred percent. I don't know. If you We're the that. next level of analytics. Um, but yeah, I'm John Brankus. I think that's the exciting part of it. Is just the the fact that these are really young players who are already playing at a very very high level, a level that we've not seen any Americans play before. I mean, I wrote, as you said, I wrote a story today, um, you know, in conjunction with uh, our UK side of things, Dermot Corrigan, about um, Sergio Dest signing with Barcelona. You know, it's a rare thing. It's never happened until Conrad de la Fuente made his debut earlier this 
year in the preseason for Barcelona, there had never been a American. Not really a debut if it's preseason, by the way. But well, anyway, either way, you know, there had never been an American to play for Barcelona. You know, Serginho Des is going to play for Barcelona. You know, there's never been an American to play for Juventus until Weston McKinney played for Juve. So, I mean, these are these are massive clubs and and these are young Americans and these are Americans who are going to be entering their prime come 2026 when the US is hosting a World Cup. So, you hope that the trajectory stays somewhat on track that there's not injuries and there aren't downturns in their careers and that you know, the 2022 World Cup is a is a step toward what 2026 could be. Um, but I think there's a, plenty of reasons to be excited. Certainly, it makes uh, CBS Sports happy because people are going to be shelling out more money for all access in order to watch obscure games um, in the hope that they see one of these Americans play. You can also watch Spanish language on your regular cable package. That's FYI. true. That's what I'll do. But I got in trouble from people last time saying, do you have a problem with CBS Sports that you keep pumping up the Spanish language? I said, no. One is free and the other is not. That's my only problem. Who called you on that? I don't even believe you right now. Don't worry about it. I'll text you later who it was. <laughs> if you think about it, you'll know who it was. All right. I think I know already. <laughs> um you know, the point stands. People are going to be more interested. In, I, I think casual fans are going to be more interested in Champions League as they learn about these young Americans. But and it also couple- highlights those young Americans that we named earlier, Sam. I think it highlights the core, a lot of the core of the U.S. national team that's going to be starting World Cup qualifiers next fall. But that's just one part of the equation for the U.S. national team next year, 2021 provided COVID slows down to some degree, there's a chance that we're going to see three different types of close to senior rosters. The Olympics Olympics are, are happening next year. If the U.S. qualifies, that'll be under 23. But as I just named all those guys under 23, um, you see the overlap, as well as the Gold Cup, the Nations League, and the World Cup qualifiers. And that doesn't even count and, the U-20 yeah. World Cup. That's happening a yeah. little bit earlier in the spring. And we're going to dive into that in a second. Um, I do want to call out a couple potential American on American matchups in the group stage of the Champions League. So Group A, Munich, Salzburg, um, just a few hours apart. Uh, Chris Richards, Jesse Marsh, Alfonso Davies, of course, Canadian. Uh, let's Lovely see, train ride. Lovely train ride from Munich to Salzburg. That's- Wow. <laughs> Tell me, what are you, you weren't even pronouncing it, Barcelona. Your study abroad friends would be ashamed of you, Paul. They would be embarrassed. Not not yet, you know, not yet. But uh, I just like to, <laughs> to share my experiences with our listeners and uh, my study abroad yeah, in very Salzburg. Cultured. My, you're my very one-week cultured. study abroad in Salzburg <laughs> is, is worth sharing. Um, group F, you have Dortmund and Bruges, so Gio Reyna and Ethan Horvath. Group G, of course, Juve, Barcelona, um, so De La Fuente and Dest against McKenney. Uh And I think that's it in terms of the American-on-American uh, setup, uh, but some potentially exciting, potentially intriguing matchups. Now, getting into those rosters, Paul, you, did, you wrote an article. You wrote a whole article predicting these rosters a fool's errand if you asked me but you went for it anyway so kudos to you you tried to predict all three rosters you called me in a frenzy you're like sam i need your help 
And I was like, why are you taking this so seriously? You're pr- trying to predict rosters a year out. Like this is, this is stupid and pointless, but you know, we're going to talk about it anyway. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with world cup qualifying, gold cup, Olympic, where do you want to go? Well, first of all, I want to start by saying that you were like, this is stupid. And 25 minutes later, you hung up the phone with me after going over all the rosters and taking, I was barely listening to you. Um, so that's first of all. Second of all, I would agree that it's a fool's errand. I remember when I first started off at the Washington Post covering soccer and like, I remember asking Goff if he minded if I did a soccer insider post trying to predict, uh, a world cup roster, like four years out from the next world cup. And, and he said no, cause it's ridiculous. And I, like I sent him an email with like my predictions. I, I believe like Gale Agbo Swamande was the starting center back in my World Cup roster. You know, like <laughs> is that how you pronounce that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I gave it my best effort. Um, but like you know, that's how that's how roster predictions typically go. So um, I think we should start with the Olympic squad. It's the first. Well, partly because I think there's there's decent amount of overlap between the Nations League and the World Cup qualifiers. But I think we should save that for last. Um, but the Olympic squad, I think, is interesting because it is an under-23 squad. You can have three overage players. I chose to only include one after you bashed both of my other two overage selections. Um, but I think part of the reason really? why yeah. it maybe won't make sense to have overage players at the Olympics or... Um, to be really smart about how you pick or if you use them is the fact that there is a gold cup where you're going to have to use a lot of guys that typically would not be used because you're going to be giving a break to many of the world cup guys, world cup starters and world cup players. Um, and so that already stretches your pool pretty thin. And I think there are a lot of really strong young players who would benefit from playing in in a, a big international tournament like the Olympics. So, I only had one overage player that was Ethan Horvath, who's going to need games, who has international experience, who's still relatively young, and you know I think would be somebody who could solidify a position that I think is maybe one of the, um, I don't want to say weaker positions. These are young goalkeepers, but it's always nice to have some experience in net in a major tournament. But otherwise, I mean, look... The turn the, the the team I put together had some strong young players. Julian Araujo from LA Galaxy, George Bello, Mark McKenzie, Eric Palmer Brown, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson. Those two names, by the way, you know, who knows whether Bayern Munich and Fulham would release first team players to an Olympic tournament. They are not required. None of these players are required to be released by their club. So you have to factor that in to how you choose this roster as well. Um, Brendan Aronson, you know, what will Salzburg think? At, at you know by next summer about Aronson's role and whether he plays in the Olympics. Asani Dotson, yeah, Johnny Cardoso, Richie Ledesma, Paxson Pomikol if he's back from injury, Jackson Yule, Ayoak Anola, Yuli Yanez, Jesus Ferreira, Conrad De La Fuente, and Tim Weah. I, I included Weah in there because when I interviewed him earlier this year, he said it is a major goal of his to get back on the field and get healthy for the Olympics. He wants to play in the Olympics very badly. So... That I went obviously went young, but I, I did have to balance, you know, who's going to get released, who's not. Yeah, and you know, you said it's unlikely that Adams or Pulisic or McKenney or Dest get released. And you're probably right. But I bet we see at least one of those guys at this tournament. Um and, and I don't know which one it'll be, but typically I mean well not typically. The Olympics are a big draw. It's a really cool thing to be a part of as an athlete, right? And not just from a soccer tournament standpoint, although it's certainly cool. 
Um, but to be there in the Olympic Village and to be there with the Dream Team and with the track stars and with the swimmers and to mingle with all of these different people from all over the world and all of these different sports is something that's really attractive, I think, to any athlete. Like, how could it not be? That sounds pretty cool to me. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys really want to go. Well, right? I, I know that and, for a fact. Tyler Adams said that a few years. I think it was yeah, two years and, ago. And now. I was going to say, I feel like Adams to me is the most likely of the group. Um, simply because he's just like, you know, let me play more soccer. I'm young. Let me run around. Uh, and he's at a club compared to those other three that might be looking to sell him on at some point. Right. Chelsea, Barca, Juventus. Not really selling clubs, right? Um, those are kind of the destinations. Uh, Leipzig, uh, they might be able to turn a profit on Tyler Adams. And the Olympics are a big stage and a good shop window. Now, there's going to be a lot of action next summer uh, between the Euros and the Olympics and the U20 World Cup. So maybe a little less exposure than a usual Olympic tournament. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those guys on there. Um, I also think that there will be more than one overage selection. I have no idea who those overage selections will be. We, that we, depends we, on a we million different We've added around factors. some names, Sam. We talked about Michael Bradley as an option. We talked about Christian Roldan. I had yeah. Christian Roldan in there. I had Matt Miazga in there as a center back. You, you had Sean Johnson in there. Which, I had Sean Johnson which I, in there as a goalkeeper. I, laugh, I know they I think really I laughed at. They really, really like Sean Johnson with the national team. They feel like he's a really strong leader, and I think that's something you look for in that group. I, um, I absolutely agree. I've covered Sean since his rookie year, 10 years ago. I'm an old man now. And so is Sean. But um, that's you talk about players players being released by their clubs for this. Like, is NYCFC going to release their starting goalkeeper who's 30-plus at that point um, for a tournament that, you know, it's not like he's an established U.S. international. He gets called up, but he doesn't, he doesn't play hardly ever. Um, so, I don't know. That would be surprising to me yeah. um, if, if they let him go. But, it, you know, it'll be interesting. I think... Uh, I, Michael Bradley, I think that would that would be a really cool one. Again, I don't think Toronto would necessarily let him go, but maybe there's a European guy who's out of contract um, and getting up there in years, perhaps, that, that could be in the mix for this team. Um, I don't know who that would be. Maybe I'm inventing a person that doesn't exist, but um, I think it'll be an interesting interesting setup um, if they qualify, which has not happened right. since 2000. And, and that's, that's the other angle, too, because all these guys that we're talking about, they're not going to get released for Olympic qualifying can tell you that much right now and that's going to be a big part of the equation with the olympic qualification i mean do you see a guy like brendan aronson get released for qualification probably not anymore paxton pomicol not going to be healthy enough for qualifications you know do, does you know and does when Minnesota, is, is qualification scheduled the expectation the hope is for it to, to resume in march it hasn't been scheduled yet but you know is it's paxton pomicol not going to be healthy by then I don't think he'll be healthy and have enough games to put him on the field in international competition. I just don't MLS think competition he'll be is there. better than U23 CONCACAF competition. Yeah, but I think that they're going to be looking at I think they're going to try to run a camp. I think there's going to be as much time put in to that team and those camps as anything else. They want to be in the Olympics. And I also want to point yeah. out that I agree with what you were saying. I do believe Tyler, Adam want, Tyler Adams wants to go. I, I also think Weston McKenney wants to go. And I, and I don't disagree that you know Leipzig could be willing to release Tyler Adams. But then we get to the next part of it, which is Greg Berhalter's decision-making. Because you're going to have um, a window in March 
when you call up your senior team. Then you're going to have the Nations League window in June where you call up your senior team again for the semifinals and finals of the Nation League, Nations League. Then you have the Olympics and or the Gold Cup, and then you have World Cup qualifying. So the question also is going to go to how much do you want to put on a player like Tyler Adams, who's going to be an important part of qualification. And a player, by the way, who, yes, he's young, but missed a lot of last year after picking up an injury. You know, So they're going to be careful with some of these guys with how much they're asking of them because don't let's not forget the ultimate goal is qualifying for the world cup. And that happens beginning next fall. Um, so, you know, it's more than just even the normal difficult part of club converse conversations with clubs for releases, because now you have this balance of where do we, where do we put the emphasis for each individual player? For sure. Um, I do think it'll be pretty MLS heavy, at least in terms of the qualification roster. You talk about March. I'm not convinced the MLS season will have started in March. Um, so if you're talking about MLS teams in preseason, that's a pretty easy decision. MLS teams are good about the Olympics anyway. They want these guys to be on that stage. Um, they don't really hold guys back. There's no real precedent for that. Um, of course, the U.S. hasn't qualified for the Olympics in 12 years. So, of course, there's no real precedent for it. Um, but, you know, there wouldn't have been. I think, had they qualified. Hey, everyone. This is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show. I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. I feel like we all have uh, very happy memories of eating incredibly brightly colored cereal at very early hours, uh, weekend mornings. That was Saturday morning cereal for Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, I have since cut out that sort of thing because, you know, a ball of sugar in the morning is not the best way to start the day, which is where Magic Spoon comes in. Magic Spoon offers you zero grams of sugar, but 11 grams of protein, only three net grams of carbs per serving. And it comes in four different flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Lots of frees in there. If you go to magicspoon.com slash TSS to grab a variety pack, you can try it today. And be sure to use the promo code TSS at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash TSS. Use code TSS for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon very much for sponsoring this episode. Now back to the show. Paul, any guys on here that you're particularly, you would be particularly excited to see in Tokyo if the U.S. does indeed qualify? And and shoot, if the Olympics actually do happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, there are a couple people that I'm excited to see. I think I would like to see Ayo Akinola kind of as, a, as the feature number nine for the, the 23s. You know, his development at that position is important because the depth chart is thin at the number nine. You're talking about Josie Altidore, mm-hmm. Joss Sargent, Jossie Zardes, and that's it really at that number nine spot. If one of those guys gets injured, if one of those guys falls out of form, you're incredibly thin at that position. The U.S. needs players to step up on the forward line. So Akinola is somebody that I'd be very interested to see how he develops. The other one is Chris Richards. I think I just want to see more of Chris Richards in a U.S. uniform at a first-team level. Bayern Munich is incredibly excited about him. I think the entire U.S. program is incredibly excited about him. I saw the other day on SiriusXM, Tony Miola said he believes that when Chris Richards steps into the lineup for the U.S., he will be the right back for a very, very right center back for a very, very long time, that he will be a 10-year 
starting center back for the U.S. program. And Eddie, I, I don't want to say he he didn't say Eddie Pope, but he you know he alluded to the idea of that there are certain center backs that become ten year center backs, and that he believes Chris Richards will be that. That's how people feel about this player. So I'm excited to see him. I, I would like. I, I think Olympics would be a good first step into a major international competition ahead of potentially a starting role by the time world cup qualifiers come around. Yeah, I think that would be very exciting. Um, one that sticks out to me is Conrad De La Fuente. Obviously, you know, I think everyone's intrigued to see if he's able to break through at Barca this year, excuse me, Bartha. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, he went to the U 20 world cup, I believe at age 17. Uh, he's been there. He's done that. I don't think he'll do that again. Um, so kind of a higher level of competition to that on the international stage um, and potentially a nice little uh, nice little stage for him to go out and uh, and shine um, perhaps so that's one that I would be excited about any anyone that you think you you know any any tough cuts here Paul from when you were making up this list yeah I think there were a few tough cuts James Sands I thought was a player who would fit really well in the midfield I ended up putting Hassani Dots in there because I felt that he could provide depth at left back and right back as well as defensive midfield Sam's can Sands can play center back and defensive midfield so there's value there too that was kind of a decision I made at the last second Sam Vines I included Anthony Robinson depending on what his role ends up being at Fulham he may not be released. Sam Vines is kind of a really easy name to throw in there. And the one other Colorado player... Colorado Rapids. Correct. Homegrown left back. And the one other player that I didn't include who has been involved at the U23 level pretty much all the way through under Jason Kreiss and at the senior level under Greg Berhalter is Jonathan Lewis. Um, I think I'm more excited about a player like Conrad De La Fuente. Yulianez is somebody who I think has a big, bright future. And then... The, the name I ended up including over Jonathan Lewis is Tim Weah. You know, again, maybe there's a little bit of recency bias there for me. And I did that interview and he mentioned the Olympics several times. That's a name that I wouldn't be surprised if he's on, on the roster because he's been so involved in the in the process so far. Okay. Um, where do you want to go next? Are we going Gold's Cup, the, the tournament that, you know, time will have forgotten come next summer or yeah, the gold cup for, i think is a good place to go i'm you know i'm i'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this roster it's it's going to be very very mls heavy very random names it's going to be some guys in europe that we haven't heard from or or that you only this hear from the people on twitter who are like how could christian roldan get called up in front of julian green this is blasphemy well, this is your moment, folks, because this is the tournament for Julian Green. <laughs> this is it. Not the 2014 World Cup. It's going to be the 2021 Gold Cup, which will be shades of what? Uh, 2009 Gold Cup? I think that's maybe the most. Too? Well, it's funny you bring up the 2009 I, I think, Gold Cup. I found my old I think hat from 09 the 2009 is the Gold most Cup. BC team I can remember because you had the Confed Cup that year. It was an off-year Gold Cup. Um, and none of the main guys were with that group. Oh, I think man. Jay Heaps and Logan Pauls were out there. My favorite memory fun. of the 2009 Gold Cup. 5 nothing in the final by Mexico. They did. I covered that game. And when you showed up in the press box, they, they had put hats down on everyone's spot in the press box. And I took a hat home, right? And I wore that 2009 Gold Cup hat a lot. I mean... I felt like it was like a good neutral hat that wasn't a sports team hat. And I was like, I can wear this because it doesn't show any allegiance to any sports teams. And 
I didn't think about it. And I wore it out to DC United training like a year uh-huh. later. And Troy Perkins. Who was, was on that DC Troy team? Perkins was the starting goalkeeper for DC United <laughs> at the time. And Troy Perkins was also the goalkeeper in the 5 nothing loss to Mexico in the Gold Cup <sighs> final. Oh, man. And so I'm, you just rubbing it in poor Troy's face, dude. I'm doing an interview and Troy Perkins is like, Hey man, thanks for the memories with that hat and walked away. And uh I was yeah, like, he, oh. hates, he hates your guts, Paul. Yeah. He hates you. <laughs> Players remember stuff like that forever. He's so, yeah. I hope Troy Perkins is listening to this. Troy, if you're listening to this, I'm with you. Paul's a bad guy. Definitely. I can't uh, disagree with that. I saw that hat today. <laughs> I did. I saw that hat today. I went anyways. Um it, it made me think of that story. It's a very good example. You know, the Troy Perkins esque type of call up i'm I'm really digging into troy here today but yeah. it, it's that type of call up it's it's my my arch rival from youth soccer days Corey ash was on the 2013 gold cup roster it's that type of player wow. they're they're nice, out there nice name drop dude they're on the fringe of <laughs> of discussions regarding national team but you don't really expect it's a january them camp in. situation basically minus the young guys minus the young guys the it's a whole nother Olympics. level yeah um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. So some of the guys you had on here, we had, we have Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, who, you know, I think we're doubling up there with, with some of the A team guys, at least a goalkeeper. Um, so I don't know what that'll turn out to be. Defenders, you have uh, Chase Gasper, or as I like to call him, Gase Jasper. Um, Aaron Herrera, Matt Miazga, Miles Robinson, Sam Vines, aforementioned. DeAndre Yedlin, who will be out of contract and looking for a move, most likely at that point. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, uh, midfielders, Michael Bradley. You just slandered the, what this Gold Cup team is, and you included Michael Bradley on it. All right. Julian Green, Dwayne Holmes, Sebastian Legette, Alfredo Morales, Christian Roldan, um, and then forward slash winger, Paul Ariola, Corey Baird, Jeremy Obobese, Nico Gio. Oh, man. Help me. Giaucini. Giaucini. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Aaron Johansson. Jonathan Lewis and Chris Cash Money Mueller. Sam, that's it's that's easy. the twenty three there. It's easy to hide behind my byline, but here on allocation dis- disorder, we are truth tellers. <laughs> and you already revealed that you helped me with this roster, and then and then you act like I I sully the name of Michael Bradley. No, 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 no. You threw a I, fit. You threw a fit that I did not have Michael Bradley on this Gold Cup roster. Yeah, you. I, I thought I was throwing a fit that you, you didn't wanted have him, him on, on both rosters. Roster. You believed he should be on both rosters. I don't remember him being upset. Why would I be upset about the Gold Cup roster? I don't know, but you were, and you didn't say one I word about making, Sam. Pretty, you didn't say sure one word, Paul. I'm so glad that you included Julian Green on this roster. Not one word. To overlook <laughs> Julian Green, Paul. How, how I'm so glad Alfredo Morales is on this roster. You finally giving him his due. You know what I want? I want the day when we get the real intersection and Julian Green and Jonathan Klinsman are on the same U.S. men's national team roster. And maybe maybe the 2021 Gold Cup is our chance. It could be. (laughs) It could be. This roster is really hard, man. It was hard. You see a couple of the names I talked about for the Olympic roster ended up on this Gold Cup roster. Once you made it, I made a decision to go with Anthony Robinson. Sam Vines came to the Gold Cup. Once I made a decision. Jeremy Abobase brought him to the Gold Cup. Jonathan Lewis brought him to the Gold Cup. You know, these are guys who I think are certainly in the conversation. 
um, four national team spots. And, you know, I think if they don't go to the Olympics, we'll, we'll be in front of mind for Greg Berhalter to bring to the Gold Cup to get a closer look at these players. Again, we know he likes Jonathan Lewis. Ibobase can play a position at number nine. We already talked about thin. Um, you know, a guy like Dwayne Holmes was supposed to be on the Gold Cup roster last time around, got hurt and got pulled off the roster. Georgie Mihalovic filled in for him last year. Um, Matt Miazga, Miles Robinson, two guys trying to fight their way onto a roster. Chase Gasper, Sam Vines, both name dropped by Greg Berhalter at that left back spot that remains wide open, along with Anthony Robinson. So, in some ways, a lot of familiar names. Paul Ariola coming back from a major injury, but um, and and I would note Aaron Johansson, guy who's been out of the mix pretty much since the 2014 World Cup. Tell the people where he's at now. I don't know. Sweden. He's in Sweden scoring goals, a lot of goals, right? Lots of goals. Lots of goals for Aaron in Sweden. Um, that's You love to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the, the roster that some people will be excited to be on. Some people will be maybe disappointed that, that they're there and not elsewhere. Um, but a good opportunity for everyone to kind of take a chance and get in front of Burhalter and say, hey, I'm not just a B team guy. I deserve to be with the main group. Um, and, and so I think a good chance for that for a lot of different guys. So it'll be interesting to see what that, what that shakes out as. Um, but the headliner up oh, there's Lyle. He's excited back to back appearances for the pup on the show. Um, the headliner, the world's cup qualifying roster, which will be next fall. I guess you could call it the nation's league roster if you want. Um, a lot of familiar names on here, Paul. Um, a couple guys who might be considered newbies to the group, and then one name who is not a newbie, but more of a prodigal son returning to the fold, um, perhaps, in in your mind anyway. Yeah, I won't let go of it. Um, I'll, We'll run through the roster real quick, and then we'll go into some of these specific names that Sam is hinting towards. Brad Guzan, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner at goalkeeper. Zach Steffen, for me, the clear Matt number Turner. one. Yeah, the, Matt the Turner. future, the once and future king, the starting goalkeeper of, of the U.S. men's national Matt, team right Matt now. Matt Turner right? is like the the new, you know, like American soccer is amazing. It takes one person giving an endorsement, and it becomes the thing to talk about. Uh, and, and the people follow, my friends. Uh, anyways, we'll move on. John Brooks, Reggie Cannon, Serginio Dest, Aaron Long, Tim Ream, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson on the back line. Midfielders, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Darlington Nagby, Gio Reyna, Jackson Ewell. And forwards, Josie Altador, Tyler Boyd, Yulianez, Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, Josh Sargent, and Josie Zardes. We'll start. You got three number nines in that group. We do. We we will get there. I do want to start with Darlington Nagby. He's he's the prodigal son that you alluded to, and you're dropping stuff. Over I dropped. There. I did. I dropped Darlington, my headphone. Darlington I got so excited about Darlington Nagby being back on this roster. Look, you talk to people and they say Darlington's not interested in playing for the U.S. national team. He's he's said that before in the past. I believe that Darlington can be brought back into the fold. Not only do I believe he can be brought back into the fold, I believe he should be brought back into the fold for the U.S. Um, I I think when you look at this roster, you know, on one hand, people think, okay, the best lineup is Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Gio Reyna as a three-man midfield in a 4-3-3. But I think that leaves a big hole at right wing for the U.S. 
Um, Jordan Morris plays on the left wing for Seattle. I think he's better on the left wing for Seattle. Christian Pulisic also plays left wing for Chelsea. I think he's best on the left wing for Chelsea and for the U.S. You can't play both of them. So that creates an issue. At right wing, you have a bunch of guys who really haven't proven themselves yet. Tyler Boyd, starting for Besiktas, has been inconsistent at best for the U.S. Yulianez just been loaned to Holland. I have him in this roster because if he has a really great year in the Eredivisie, I think he'll be included at a spot where you need somebody to emerge. So I think that ideally you could play Gio Reyna on the right wing coming inside to get on the ball the way he does at Dortmund, the way Christian Pulisic does at Chelsea, knowing that you have Serginho Dest overlapping on the right side coming high up the field. In order to do that, you need a clear number 10, somebody who can play uh, in that position and can help. And, you know, maybe that is Brendan Aronson. Maybe it's Paxton Pomikol. Right now, the best option is probably Weston McKenney. And if you're going to play Weston McKenney in that advanced role, you need somebody to play next to Tyler Adams in midfield. And if you're going to have, if you're going to pick a midfielder that's going to play deeper in the midfield, who's going to help you keep the ball, keep possession, be, be, in control under high pressure situations, there's no better American midfielder for that role than Darlington Nagby. It's not Jackson Yule. It's not Christian Roldan. It's not any other name you want to give. It's Darlington Nagby. And so in my opinion, and I know I'm on a bit of a rant here, I think Greg Berhalter should sit down with Darlington and put just put everything else to the side. Does it mean you have to you know, placate to an athlete's ego. Yes, that's sports. That happens all the time. He's good enough to do it. Just meet with him. Tell him he's important. Do the same thing that you did when you got on a plane, you flew to Amsterdam to convince Sergio Dest to, to commit to the U.S. It's No one's going to look down on the U.S. national team for asking Darlington Nagby to come back in the fold. And if you can get him, you should. It will make your World Cup team better. I couldn't agree more. I'm a big Darlington Nagby guy, personally. And, if you're, you know, you said it. If you're talking about a technical midfielder in the U.S., Poole, who can receive the ball under pressure and get out of it and find the right pass, it's him. It's him, and it's basically only him. Um, Sebastian Legette has a few of those qualities, but he's not as good at it as Darlington Nagby is. I don't think anyone would really argue that. Uh, and he would make the team better, straight up. Um, and he would give you more options. Would he, would he necessarily start every single game? Maybe not, um, but I think he would start some of them, and he would give you just kind of more flexibility in terms of how you want to play, right? If you want to run a super athletic, high-pressing lineup out there, he's probably not in it. But if you're playing a team that maybe you're going to have more of the ball against, maybe one of those CONCACAF teams that isn't Mexico or isn't Costa Rica in San Jose, um, you know, you want a guy like that in there who can set the tempo, move it around, play a killer pass or two, um, and be really effective there in central midfield. Uh, and Darlington Nagby is that guy. So, yeah, go get him. Bring him back. Absolutely. Sam, what's the um, biggest mistake I made on this roster? You put three number nines on it. I don't really see that happening. You know, you have you have Josie, you have Giassi, you have Josh Sargent. Um, only one of those guys plays at a time. And I think having three, you're just getting a little redundant. Um, you didn't want to have Josie on this roster. I think I had convinced you into placing Josie on this roster. Yeah, that was our big argument. You, you, we brought up the fact that there shouldn't be three number nines. I thought Josie should be left off. You thought there was no way 
in hell that he could be left off, which if you asked me six months ago, I would have said the exact same thing. But I don't know that Josie is showing right now that he is a guy that you can count on health-wise, that you can count on to be a 90-minute player. And maybe he doesn't have to be for the U.S. Maybe he's going to be a super sub type of player through World Cup qualifying. Paul, 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 I said this to you when we were on the phone. Is he those things right now? No, probably not. Are call-ups happening right now? No, they're not happening for eight, nine months. Like, by that time, if he is healthy, I'm guaranteeing you that Josie will be fit and fighting and scoring goals and ready to go. He Look, knows what time it is. In my opinion, I've I've always said this, Josie Altador is the best number nine in the U.S. pool. I've I've gotten in many Twitter arguments with people who tried to tell me differently. I was I was out there making arguments last year with the Gold Cup roster um uh, over why, you know, all these different things. I don't disagree with you Sam that Josie Altador should be on this roster. My my thought was in projecting next year that maybe he will be the guy who is not there. He is not there health-wise or fitness-wise or whatever you want to say. I think that right now he's the guy that is easier to project. Now, Josh Sargent is going to be playing for a very bad Werder Bremen team. What happens to him? You know, how do, how good or bad does he look? He could easily fall out of this squad. Jossie Zarda is scoring a lot of goals with Columbus. I don't think he falls out of it. So it's probably between Altidore and Sargent. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I think it's going to be very instructive what kind of season Josh Sargent has. So who knows? Maybe you'll be right. I do think that if all three are in form, and if all three are scoring goals, then it's Sargent and Josie, and Giassi is the odd man out. So I, I, I think that's I think that's the pick there. I don't really know who I would bring instead of one of those number nines. So, you know, <laughs> maybe I don't have much of a leg to stand on in this argument. Pardon my interruption for just one moment. This is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show, and I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Artifact. Artifact sets you up with one of their professional interviewers to capture stories about the important people or things in your life. You can basically think about it like your favorite podcast, but about whatever topic you want. You could do things like have them interview your parents about what their lives were like before you were born. I'm going to guess more sleep-filled and slightly less stressful. No offense. Uh, or maybe as a birthday gift for your significant other. You can have them interview close friends about uh, his or her importance in their relationships. There are tons of ways to use Artifact. If you'd like to hear some samples of what they end up sounding like, you could do so by going to heyartifact.com slash TSS to hear the Total Soccer Show origin story. You could go to heyartifact.com slash Daryl to hear about Daryl's treatment and diagnosis for cancer. Uh, the link will be listed in today's show notes if you want to check those out. Uh, and if you want to get one for yourself, you could go to just heyartifact.com and use the code TSS to get $40 off. Once again, that's heyartifact.com. Use the code TSS to get $40 off. Thank you very much to Artifact for sponsoring this episode. Now on with the show. Anyway, we have some other things to talk about besides U.S. national team rosters. So let's go ahead and talk about those. Paul, what do you say? Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's, let's, right. let's talk, though, international soccer. We're staying in that wheelhouse, right, Sam? We are staying in that wheelhouse. So there's been a lot of news and a lot of reports and a lot of articles, including one that yours truly wrote 
this week, just kind of about this upcoming international window and what FIFA was or was not going to do in regards to allowing clubs to release players. Uh, for a while, the New York Times reported, um, for a while it looked like that FIFA was going to enforce its regular rules for clubs releasing players for the UEFA Nations League and for South American World Cup qualifiers. Basically, what that means is if a player gets called up, unless he is injured or unless he declines it on his own volition, the club must release him. Under normal circumstances, that's great. MLS teams love that, right? Go play for your country. Go do well. Go have fun in a big, important game. These are not normal circumstances, of course. Uh, The MLS schedule is condensed. COVID-19 is happening. Um, And... (laughs) For players traveling to spots that in some cases are even hotter than the U.S., uh, it's a little bit of a dangerous proposition. And MLS has come up with a system where anyone that goes and and plays for their national team and leaves the country and goes on international duty, when they return, they have to go into a 10-day quarantine. MLS is not pausing for this upcoming international break. So basically what that means is if anyone that gets called up and goes out of country, they're going to miss five, four, five, maybe even six regular season games. That's really significant, especially when you consider that these guys who are being called the national teams are often the best players on their teams. Um, so this this has kind of been a huge talking point, a huge controversy, if you will, um, over the last few days. FIFA came out today and kind of surprised people, surprised me, um, and said that they would not be enforcing the regular rules. So basically what they did is they reverted to what they did in September, where if they said any country that has a quarantine upon return. So, you know, if you go to South America and you play for Ecuador or Peru or Argentina or whoever, and you come back and you have to quarantine for at least five days, which is the case in MLS, then your club is exempt from the regular rules and they can block your call up if they so choose. So that's where MLS is. Uh, for players who are going to be in official matches, at least as far as I understand. I believe they can block friendly guys um, too, um, but that was the case beforehand. So that's where it's at. And it's a really, really interesting position for MLS teams to have to be in because you have guys like Christian Pavone of the LA Galaxy. He's been their best player this year. He got called up to Argentina for the first time, I believe, since the 2018 World Cup. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Paul. Um, shortly after that but yeah pretty much and and so that's huge for him he's he's making his way back into one of the most high profile national teams in the world for world cup qualifying matches that's huge but if he goes the galaxy run the real risk of missing the playoffs right and so do you block him well that that does wonders for your mls hopes right but if you do that, you're probably making him mad. He's still on loan. He's probably not going to want to come back if you do that. And you're signaling to the rest of the world. And this is important, especially for a club like the Galaxy, who are recruiting names like Pavone and players of that stature and profile. You're signaling to all of those guys that you're not a club that treats its players right. And that's going to hamper you in recruitment, straight up. And so it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a Sophie's choice. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, and so these MLS teams are going to be in a really, really interesting position here over the next, geez, 48, 72 hours, because these guys are going after the weekend to their national teams. And if they leave, they might be gone for quite some time. And this might happen again in November. 
But in November, you're not going to miss as many games, but you might miss a playoff game or two. And man, if the Galaxy lose a playoff game without Pavone, if the Sounders, who have been maybe the best team in the league, one of the best teams in the league, certainly, lose a playoff game because they don't have Rui Diaz or maybe Ladero or Xavier Arriaga or Gustav Svensson. Like this season, the, the competitive integrity has already been compromised, right? Because of the schedule and COVID and the fact that teams, you know, it's the, the schedule is as unbalanced as it can be, right? Um, so the competitive t- integrity is already in compromised. You're just adding to that with the regular season absences. If, if the playoffs come into play here, then it's just like, what does this mean? What are we doing? <laughs> um, so it's a really difficult place. It's not MLS's fault, right? Like, they don't really have any alternatives. They did schedule a break for the November international break, but it's a, it's a difficult spot to be, and it's going to be really, really interesting now to see what these clubs do. Yeah, I mean, Sam, this is not an issue that's MLS-specific, right? All the clubs no. in, All the clubs in Europe are dealing with this, too. I mean, you're talking about, in Europe especially... You're talking about Leo Messi... Talking You're talking about, about Messi, Suarez. which means we know how much money that Messi makes, right? We know that from the yeah. drama that happened. I mean, a hundred million dollars a year that this club is that the clubs are paying a guy like Messi, right? That, and those checks don't stop when you go away on international duty, right? And and so when you're talking about guys missing games for a significant amount of time, now this rule from FIFA ruling today from FIFA really helps the European nations, right? Because many of those countries do have mandatory quarantine periods upon entry after international travel. So that was an out given to these European clubs, many of these but, European clubs. But they're clubs. in the same place, though. Do they, they want to make their players upset? You they, know? they are in like, that same place. And here's the problem. In the U.S., they're not, right? And if they are, it's based on local jurisdictions, not national. So now you're talking about right. the potential of... You're talking Seattle, about government-mandated quarantine. Right. Or Seattle potentially having to release all of its players and Chicago not. Or well, Seattle would probably be able to block, I think. Or Seattle being able to block and Orlando City can't or LA can't. You know, So there are all these different kind of angles to the competitive balance that MLS has to talk about and confront. Um, but I think, you know, I think a lot of GMs were hoping that FIFA was going to let them off the hook. In making these decisions, that didn't happen. I think there might have been some players, as you wrote, that were hoping that FIFA was going to let them off the hook, who don't right. want to travel. Because this is a way out for the like. Some players have concerns about COVID. Some of these guys have have wives and young families, and they might be looking at their national team situation, and they might be saying, "Well, yeah, of course I would love to go, but I'm probably not going to play." And so, do I really want to put myself at risk and put my family at risk when I return from COVID-19 to go and sit on the bench? Um, no, I'll let my club be the bad guy and send a letter and try and block my call up, right? And so, those guys are actually, those guys win in this situation. It's the guys that don't want to go that win in this one because they can just go to the club and say, hey, block it. We're all good. I can stay. I get what I want. And the federation is none the wiser that I didn't want to go. Right. It's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds. Mexico just put out a statement saying they anticipate the MLS players to join them in Amsterdam after games this weekend. That's a, those are friendlies which certainly fall under the Man. blockable ability. So 
you know, that's brutal. That is brutal. So that's by the that's way. the Tata galaxy Martino losing. Doing no favors. That's the galaxy losing Jonathan Dos Santos and Pavone and Rolf Felcher all in one window. Yeah, that's Inter Miami losing Rodolfo Pizarro. That's Sporting Kansas City losing Alan Pulido. And, and by the way, Alan Pulido, this is his first call up in quite some time too. You think you think he's not going to want to go? No, he's going to want to be there. Yeah, and I think Pizarro is another player who a lot of people speculated over what his future with the national team was going to be like coming to MLS, right? All of these players have to be thinking about that. And by the way, for some of these players, it it has an impact on their clubs. You brought up Pavone with the loan deal. You think that doesn't, that hurts the Galaxy. It hurts the Galaxy in multiple ways for Pavone to go play for the national team. Because it's raising his value too. His buyout is a very high number. One that the Galaxy don't want to have to pay. The fact that he's back in the Argentina squad for World Cup qualifiers, that doesn't bring that value down. That does not. That <laughs> that reinforces Boca Jr.'s argument of what the Galaxy have to pay. So, you know, all of these dynamics are involved, you know, especially when we talk about younger players who are getting called up. You know, even somebody like the Chicago Fire, Navarro, Miguel Angel Navarro, the left back, getting his first call up to Peru, right? To go play Venezuela. in a World Cup qualifier. That 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 enhances the value of a young player. So there are yeah. all these different that that's usually a very good thing for the fire, right? In this case, now they have to think twice about it. Meanwhile, the player is saying, I have a chance to go play in a World Cup qualifier in South America. Of course they want to do that. So just so many interesting dynamics from a front and it's office. Such a case by case thing. It's it's a player by player thing. It's it's madness. It's twenty twenty, and I don't envy any of these people that have to have these conversations or make these decisions because they don't sound fun. I'm thankful that we haven't continued recently our never bet MLS segment because typically MLS is impossible to predict. You start pulling all these players off the field for all these different teams. Oh my god! It is going to be just a crapshoot. All bets are off. All bets are off. All bets are off on this show for sure. We're not making any <laughs> bets. I'll tell you that much. We're endorsing any bets. We, Never bet on we MLS. Were, That's the name of the segment. You know, I I had a I had a friend who I I may have mentioned this on a past show. I had a friend in the MLS's back tournament text me every single day. Who should I take? And I was like, I did so well for him. I think I went like thirteen and two. It was pretty incredible. Um, I was like, man, I should have I should have bet my own money, but. That there's probably some ethical issues there so that's why i didn't do that anyway i digress uh the international window it's going to be fascinating <laughs> we can edit that out too um the november thing is just gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous it's gonna be a mess if if that one goes through or not because say covid gets better in some of these places right then you might have fifa say all right well we'll enforce the restrictions and what if mls keeps the quarantine then you're having guys miss playoff games, like for sure, right? Which could be just a disaster. Of course, maybe they can move the schedule around. Who knows? This story, it's not over. It's still developing. There are a few other kind of miscellaneous items that we wanted to get to. Um, one guy who's been involved in the Olympic pool, who we have not mentioned, uh, Mason Toy, formerly now of Minnesota United, striker, now going to work with his uh, childhood idol, Thierry Henry, up in Montreal. Uh, he got traded earlier today. From the Twin Cities to Quebec uh, for a total of $600,000 in general allocation money, second round pick, believe a percentage of any potential future fee. Uh, Paul, I like this deal 
for both sides. It's a high price to pay for a guy who has not played very much in MLS, um, but who has shown flashes and had had some good moments. Uh, but Montreal don't really have a striker, and he was buried in Minnesota. So he wasn't going to get any run there, and that's a good return for, for a guy who was a reserve, maybe not even dressing. Yeah, Sam. I mean, I will say this, though. You know, like when you're a really young kid and you you just think of your parents as like superheroes that like you don't realize that they're like also human beings. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, yeah. they're like an That's adult. That's how I think of you, Paul. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. They, they're like an adult. They have their own issues and things that whatever. <laughs> like that... That moment where you're like, oh, like they're not a superhero. That's coming quick for Mason Toy, man. Because Thierry Henry, as a coach, is uh, <laughs> not watching him on TV with Arsenal. You know what I mean? Like we know that he's hard on his he's players. Not gonna, you don't think he's a cool boss? He's not going to understand that Mason Toy doesn't get why you should run into that space. You know, like listen, it, Thierry's a chill boss, bro. It, it's going to be a real. Real interesting experience for Mason Toy, and it could be a really interesting experience in a good way. All joking aside, I, I think you're 100 percent right. It's a really good return, I think, for Mason Toy, someone who wasn't really breaking into the team. He had a couple good moments last year, but nothing that really told you he he had arrived clearly. And you know, in all honesty, I think as soon as the as soon as Minnesota started shopping for a DP forward in the last transfer window. That was probably a pretty good indication that they should be looking to offload Mason Toy and get as much and money as they, they could. And then they signed Aaron Schoenfeld. Right. Too. So, I mean, they, they might have even waited too long to get the max value that they could get from Mason Toy. So, to get $600,000 for him now yeah. and a sell-on percentage, if because there has been international interest in Mason Toy in previous windows, I think was really good business on the Minnesota side. And as you said, this is a position of need from for Montreal. It's a young player with potential, somebody who could, who has shown that he can be effective in MLS in small moments. And now it's about expanding that um, into becoming a consistent number nine at um, you know at a at a top level team at, a, at an MLS team. So um, a top level team is that what we're calling the impact now? Top level, top division. <laughs> Like not a USL striker <laughs> is what I'm trying to say that he that he can be an MLS right, striker. <laughs> not a high gotcha. bar, by the way. Uh, wow, just, you're just insulting people left and right on this show, Paul. Who hurt you? Today? I mean, when has this show not been about like insulting people in MLS for some like like how many emails have we gotten that have been like really enjoyed your positivity the other day after weeks of you just dredging like up MLS negativity? So. I'm on brand a little bit today. All right. That's fine. Please direct all emails to Tenorio at theathletic.com, as always. <laughs> I, um, I still owe several... people emails, by the way. I do. I've, I've, I've had a really <laughs> tough week, and I owe people emails still. <laughs> uh, several other items to kind of take care of. Roman Torres headed back to Seattle from Inter-Miami. That experiment did not go so well down in Florida. He didn't play hardly at all. And when he did, he kept getting red cards. So headed back to the Sounders less than a year after he helped them win MLS Cup. Great cover, I would say, if uh, Xavier Ariaga ends up going to Ecuador. Uh, they haven't announced their call-ups yet, but he's a guy that has been called up in the past. So um, if he's gone for six games and maybe some playoff action, uh, you could do a whole lot worse than Roman, Tora, Roman Torres there. Uh, they're just getting the band back together up in Seattle with him and, and Brad Smith and Jovan Jones came back last year. If you leave Seattle, you go back. That's I think that's the moral of the story. 
I mean, most importantly, Roman Torres knows how to play with New Who. You know what I mean? That's just, and that that's just the, yeah. the most and important. And that's not something mark. that happens overnight. That is an acquired skill that takes time and patience <laughs> and love. <laughs> um, New Who ripped a great shot against the Galaxy. By the way, put some real heat on it. David Bingham made a good save. We're still waiting for that first New Who goal. And you know, honestly, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I hope it happens in front of fans. I hope I hope it happens in front of a full stadium in Seattle at some point in the future. Any any waits for it until then because it that that goal when it does happen will deserve a big roar from a celebratory crowd. Um, so that's that's kind of my hot take. Anything I'm missing in terms well, of miscellaneous here, Paul? Yes, you are. But first, we're going to say I'm just disappointed that we haven't gotten like every week from your Twitter feed like new who all touches Seattle versus whatever opponent like. You should be compiling new who touches every <laughs> single week. I don't know how to edit videos, man. There's only so much. I have so much video. faith in you to learn. The last thing is something that you've reported on. So you should be the one to bring it up, which <laughs> is the positive test in Colorado. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. COVID strikes again. Uh, here we are. Uh, almost three three months after we were talking about this with Dallas and Nashville. Can you believe it's been three months since then, Paul? That's kind of wild. Um but Colorado and Portland postponed. Uh, it's Colorado's second straight match that has been postponed due to, a f- I think we can call it an outbreak of positive COVID-19 tests on that team. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, I believe the total at last check is 14, four players, 10 staff members. They have not trained since last Thursday. Uh, they might be able to go back tomorrow. I need to go back and, and circle back and check on that. In terms of training, um, if they had, you know, two two days straight of no new positives, they would be able to do that. If they go back tomorrow, I think they'll be fine to play next Wednesday against LAFC, which is their next match. Um, but if they can't go back tomorrow and if they can't go back Saturday, then you're looking at Sunday. And I don't know if you're off for nine, ten days. Is that enough time to, to play a match? I'm not sure. Especially when you're talking, when you're talking about ten staff members. They don't have coaches most likely they probably don't have trainers so when you're talking about training like you're gonna need bodies to replace those people so do you get academy coaches do you get academy trainers who's filling those jobs you need people there to to keep the players safe and healthy and to actually put them through a session with cones and flags and whistles and balls and all that stuff what else do you need for a training Um, session sam i think that's it some goals you need the free kick the free kick guys oh yeah the free kick mannequins no training session is complete without the pennies definitely need pennies unless you want to run shirts and skins and that wouldn't i mean that would just require so much sunscreen you don't want to do that um so (laughs) yeah another postponement that one will be made up i think november 4th uh their match against sporting kansas city that got canceled is going to be made up i think october 21st so they have a couple dates on the schedule, which is good, but it's going to be a very, very, very busy home stretch for the Rapids, and hopefully everyone out there is staying as safe and as healthy as possible. That's it. We made it to the end, Sam. We got we got through the whole show. I only insulted like seven. Who people. says this is the end? I'm just kidding. It's the end. Yeah, I mean, I'm so done talking to you. I, I'm like kidding my quota of talking to Sam. Actually, we're we're under time on the amount of time I've spent talking to you. But we're at an hour mark of the show, which means that we should get out as soon as possible. 
Um, none of what you just said makes sense. Thank you for listening to Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam Stasekul. He's Paul Tenorio. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>